0: to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Kluff, Life Coach and Certified Grief Recovery Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Episode 53, Forgiving Others and Yourself. I have, if you've been to the website, buildalifeafterloss.com, you've seen that there are several categories of podcasts. So confidence, we talk about confidence. We talk about grief. We talk about purpose, you know, finding our purpose, moving towards our purpose, health, relationships. And these are the same five categories that I help my clients with. So these are the five categories that I talk about on the podcast, and you'll see the podcast categorized there by these categories. And then I use those same five categories to coach my clients. And I'm always reminding you guys, and I don't know if I've reminded you for a while. So I want to (laughs) remind you again that you take what you love and leave the rest behind. So I might share some things with you and you might disagree. And that is totally cool. It's totally good. You get to decide what you believe and what feels comfortable to you. And you can, like I said, you can lo- take what you love and leave behind the rest. Or you might consider asking yourself, how could this help me? So as we talk about forgiving others and ourselves, those are, those are difficult concepts. It's something that I think we as humans should probably spend a little more time thinking about and considering and figuring out how we can do those two things because it's super important to our mental and emotional health to learn how to forgive ourselves and to forgive others. And it sounds like two different things, but they really are very related, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But in the grief recovery method handbook, it says forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday. I'm going to say that again. Forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday. You know, you've heard me talk a lot about Byron Katie, and she talks about like, if you, you know, you, if you argue with the past, if you think something should have been a different way, then you're going to lose every time because arguing with the past is not helpful because it is what it is and it is what it was. The Grief Recovery Handbook goes on to say, forgiveness is one of the least understood concepts in the world. Most people seem to convert the word forgive into the word condone. Okay, we're going to look at those two words, forgive and condone. They go on to say, if we believe the two words forgiveness and condone are synonymous, meaning they mean the same thing, it would be virtually impossible to forgive. The implication that we might trivialize a horrible event is clearly unacceptable. So to forgive, the definition of forgive is to cease to feel resentment against an offender. It's not to let the offender off the hook. The definition of condone is to treat as if trivial, harmless, or of no importance. So they are not the same thing. We might feel that something was harmful, that it was not trivial, that it was very important, and still choose to forgive. Here's where I think some of the confusion comes in, where I think we get a little messed up is the question, Will you forgive me? If we go to someone that really we need to apologize to and we say, Will you forgive me? or you have someone come to you and they say, Will you forgive me? they are looking to be let off the hook. What they should really be saying is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And not, Will you forgive me? The same for us. When we go to apologize to someone, we should be apologizing. I apologize for. It's our action, not the other person's action. If we say, will you forgive me? Then we're asking them to let us off the hook. So the answer to, will you forgive me? When we don't agree with what they did, the answer I will forgive you, but I don't condone what you did is is probably appropriate. But what they should really be saying is, I'm sorry. So let's not get those two things confused. The action of forgiveness is our choice, our choice to forgive. The action of apologizing is our choice. If we did something that we need to apologize for, we need to apologize, not ask somebody else to take action on our behalf. I hope that makes sense. All right. So I've been studying Dr. David Hawkins levels of consciousness for a project I'm working on. And this quote really stood out to me when I was reading this book, because forgiveness was on my mind. So he said, when one willingly lets a hated perpetrator off the hook by forgiveness, it is not the person who is taken off the hook, but oneself. Okay, that phrase, when we let somebody off the hook, actually, I think confuses the situation, but I do love what he goes on to say. Because when we are offering forgiveness, we are not necessarily letting them off the hook for what they did, but we're letting ourselves off the hook, you know, off the hook of anger and frustration and so forth. Anyway, we'll go on with that. But let me go on with his quote. He says, as the Buddha also said, there is no necessity to punish or get even with others because they will bring themselves down by their own hand. The public often expresses concern that the guilty might go unpunished. Anyone familiar with the reality of consciousness and spiritual truth realize that no such thing is possible everyone is accountable to the universe and is subject to divine justice by the very dynamics of the universe itself that's a lot of words really interesting what basically what he's saying is it's not our job to bring justice that the universe the divine that divine justice exists and the universe itself will bring that justice to the the unpunished, the guilty. And I think what really trips us up is we don't see that immediately. It might not happen in our view. It might not happen in our lifetime. We might not even know about it. But just... Like he said, everyone is accountable to the universe and is subject to divine justice by the very dynamics of the universe itself. So if we can trust that, it makes it easier for us to, to forgive. Reminder that forgiveness is an action, not a feeling. That trips us up too, because we think forgiveness is a feeling. It's an action. It's a choice. It's a choice to no longer allow others' harmful actions to continue to hurt us. It's a choice to say, I'm no longer going to allow your actions to continue to hurt me. And we don't necessarily say that directly to them. But I found this article by psychology today called how to forgive others. And it cites six reasons why it's hard to forgive. And I think, I think we can all relate to this. One is we're reluctant to let go of the anger. Two, we want to satisfy our sense of justice. The offender doesn't deserve our forgiveness. That's our thought process. The the offender doesn't deserve our forgiveness. We want to see justice served. Number three, forgiveness may feel like letting our offender off the hook without punishment. Again, it's that same concept that they don't deserve our forgiveness. We don't want to go down what they did. We don't want them off the hook without punishment. Number four, we wish to harm as we've been harmed. This is where revenge comes in. But we may not have the power to exact our revenge, so we harbor anger instead. And honestly, if... We've all seen these vigilante movies, right, where somebody does something wrong, and then somebody else does something wrong in retaliation, and then it just continues the anger, the hatred, the wrongdoing. Number five, they haven't apologized. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. A lot of times we're waiting for the apology. We're waiting for the acknowledgement that we've been wronged. Number six, when someone commits an injustice, we often cease to see or believe they could be capable of any good. So it's that kind of black and white thinking, they're either all good or they're all bad. I think all six of these things could be all summed up into we are reluctant to let others off the hook in order to hurt them the way we've been hurt, the way they've hurt us. Unfortunately, as you've probably heard over and over again through the years, the only one we're hurting is ourself. Our anger, our resentment, our inability to forgive is eating us alive. And when we talk about anger, anger is a secondary emotion. So it comes from the pain of hurt. That's one of the primary emotions that, that hurt that we experience can turn into anger. So you might need to acknowledge your hurt first, that's been buried under the pain of anger, and then practice forgiveness. So we have this layer of anger, and it just it's outward moving, and we just feel the, the anger. But if we take off that layer of anger, we might realize that It's really hurt. It's hurt that's creating the anger. So if we can acknowledge our hurt and then forgive from there. So forgiveness is an action. It's an action that we take for ourselves. Think about it. When we've been hurt, when something happens, if you think about a specific circumstance, somebody said something or, or maybe even more, dramatic. I heard a story this morning of a drunk driver that killed this man's brother and his wife. Like that's, those are huge hurts. When we feel like we've been wronged by someone who did something wrong, huge, huge hurt. But the actual hurt has already taken place. Somebody says something mean that has actually already taken place. It's in the past. What we're feeling now is the thought loop of that hurt over and over and over again. So we're allowing the same hurt to continue to hurt us over and over again. It's not actually happening in the moment. They're not actually standing in front of us right now saying hurtful things. It's our thoughts about what happened that continues to hurt us. Now, of course, if a situation continues to be dangerous physically or emotionally, forgiveness does not include putting ourselves in harm's way. We don't have to expose ourselves to harm to forgive someone. Instead, we recognize that the hurt is in the past and that really it's ourselves that are it's hurting us over and over again. Instead, we say, and not necessarily to them, but to ourselves, I don't condone what you did or are doing, but I forgive you in order to let go of the pain of the past. That's a thought that we can practice. I don't condone what they did. I don't condone what he did or is doing, but I forgive him in order to let go of the pain of the past. You can plug in whatever pronouns or names you need to in that statement, but it is a statement of action of forgiveness. But what if the person you need to forgive is yourself? After the accident, when my kids died on Mother's Day in 2007, I was the driver of the car. It was a one car accident. I fell asleep at the wheel. The car rolled. My two youngest children, Carrie and David died in that accident. I needed to forgive myself. That's an extreme example of having to forgive ourselves. But I want to distinguish between mistakes and wrongdoing. Just last night, I said something that was hurtful. Even this morning, I said something that was hurtful. I haven't had enough sleep. I could justify and make excuses for myself and say, I'm doing the best I can and just walk away from it. Or I could say, I'm sorry. When it comes to forgiving ourselves, if we recognize wrongdoing in what we did, then we need to correct that wrongdoing. It's very difficult to forgive ourselves if we, if we know that we intentionally or even unintentionally harmed someone. So first we have to take care of that. First we have to be able to say, I'm sorry. We have to be able to say, I'm sorry without excuse and think about what we could do differently next time and learn from the, from the, the wrongdoing. And then we can forgive ourselves and move on. But mistakes are different. Mistakes are like, you know, you're shopping for furniture and you buy this furniture and you bring it in and it doesn't fit in the room or it's the wrong color or, you know, those are mistakes. Psychology today said when we've done something wrong, we register it in our nervous system. Isn't that interesting? An injury to someone else might be accompanied by guilt. A mistake that costs us something we want might have sadness attached to it. When we've done something we regret, we often connect it to a limiting belief, like I'm always saying the wrong things, or I'll never be able to cover my bills. If we try to forgive ourselves for something without releasing the underlying emotion or belief we've attached to it, the forgiveness just doesn't take. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. When we've done something wrong, we register it in our nervous system. So we feel it The next statement, an injury to someone else might be accompanied by guilt. We want to shun guilt, but in reality, guilt can be a good thing. When I said something hurtful this morning and I feel guilty, then that prompts me to say something, to change, to do better. So guilt is not necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of times the problem that we have is that our guilt is misplaced. Even in this horrific situation where my children died in a car accident, guilt can be misplaced to harm ourselves. I know I've shared this with you guys again, but I want to share this with you once again from the Grief Recovery Handbook. It's about the word guilt, and I'm just going to read a little bit about what it says here. And I want you to consider if the guilt that you might currently be feeling Is guilt that is misplaced or guilt that requires action. Okay. I want to, I'm going to, I want to talk about that just real briefly. So when we feel guilt, we can either take action on it by saying to someone, I'm sorry, or we can attack ourselves with it. So guilt is best used when we take action when we take action. But if there's no action to be taken, we've just made a mistake and we feel guilty about it, then we need to recognize that the guilt is misplaced. Guilt is in place for us to take action and to be better and to be better people. But when we make a mistake and we feel guilt, then sometimes we can use guilt against us. All right. So let me read this passage from the grief recovery um, handbook. It says, an often misused word applied to grief is guilt. We almost never introduce that word to grievers because it is is rarely the right word. A standard painful interaction at the Grief Recovery Institute sounds like this. The griever says, my son committed suicide. I feel so guilty. The Institute replies, did you ever do anything with intent to harm your son? The griever replies, no. This is an almost universal response. No, the griever didn't do anything with the intent to harm. The institute, the dictionary definition of guilt implies intent to harm. Since you had no intent to harm, can you put the guilt word back in the dictionary? You are probably devastated enough by the death of your son. You don't need to add it, add to it by hurting yourself with an incorrect word that distorts your feelings. The griever replies, really? I never thought of it that way. The Institute. Are there some things that you wish had ended differently, better, or more? The griever, oh yes. That is what we experience. There's things that we wish were better, different, or more, but guilt may not necessarily be the correct word. A quote from Daniel Dennett in the same article said, the chief trick to making good mistakes is not to hide them, especially not from yourself. I love that. We have to recognize our mistakes or our errors or even our sins, acknowledge and then practice new thoughts, new ways, forgiveness or apologies. We have to make a decision to stop attacking ourselves. That's the important part. I've made some poor choices this week going to bed late, getting up early choosing to stay up late isn't a sin, but it was an error in judgment. And it did have consequences because then it did cause me to react in ways that I'm not proud of. And so I'm not going to beat myself up because I, (laughs) I didn't get enough sleep and I acted poorly, but I am going to take action. In fact, I've already started taking action by apologizing Not in a, will you forgive me way, but in a true, I'm sorry, because I truly am sorry. If you're familiar with Michael Hyatt, he's a respected thought leader. He wrote an article about mistakes versus sins that I think is really interesting. And he, after he cited uh, two examples of men who had fallen from prominent positions because of immoral behavior, he referred to and then they referred to it as a mistake. He said this, the term mistake implies an error in judgment, something done unintentionally. For example, a legitimate mistake might be one turning onto a one way street going the wrong way two pouring salt into your coffee, thinking it was sugar. Three, mistyping a web address and ending up on a porn site. Those are mistakes. These could all be legitimate mistakes. They happen because we get distracted or careless. But a sin is more than a mistake. It's a deliberate choice to do something you know is wrong. Okay, so why am I talking about sin versus mistakes? Because if, if we've made a mistake and we can identify it as a mistake, we can stop beating ourselves up, learn from the mistake, forgive ourselves and move on. If we have sinned, we're going to use that word sinned for lack of a better word, then it invites us to take action, to change, to apologize, to make things right. And then we can forgive ourselves. It's very difficult to just turn our back on something that we knowingly did wrong or we know hurt someone else and just go, oh, I forgive myself. We have to take the actions first to to right the wrong. If you have questions about this, write me at julie at buildalifeafterloss.com. I hope I'm making this clear. There was another quote and I cannot pronounce this name, but Francis de la Rocha, anyway, long French word, it looks like or a French name. He said, one forgives to the degree that one loves. And I truly believe that the more we love ourselves, the more we grow our ability to love others, the more we can forgive ourselves, the greater our capacity to forgive others. The more you can love and forgive yourself, the more you're going to be able to love and forgive others. If we are constantly critical of ourselves, we will be constantly critical of others. Let me just wrap this up. So how does forgiving others and forgiving ourselves go together? It's just like I just said, if we can forgive ourselves, we are going to be better equipped to forgive others. If we can love ourselves, we're going to have a greater capacity to love others. When it comes to forgiving others, I invite you to believe that the universe has your back, that you can forgive someone else, you can get yourself out of harm's way, and that you can take the action of forgiving without condoning. When it comes to ourselves, we have an opportunity to differentiate between between error or a mistake and what we might call a sin that we should truly feel guilty for, where we get to right the wrong and then forgive ourselves. Okay? So for ourselves, it might be a two-part process where we We can forgive ourselves immediately, but we also need to right the wrong or it's never, the forgiveness is never going to feel good to us. If we give, forgive ourselves for something that we still haven't, we haven't righted the wrong as much as we can. Sometimes we can't, but as much as we can. Forgiving others, super important. It's an action that we take for our own benefit. We recognize that we can't change the past. And we recognize that as much as we want to, we can't change the past. So we need to forgive so that we can release ourselves from the pain of the past. All right, you guys, I love you. I believe in you. You're amazing. If you want to talk, I would love to talk to you. You can email me, Julie, at buildalifeafterloss.com. You can even text me, 832- 515 4632. You can text me. I'm going to give you that number again at 832 515 4632. Have a great week. Bye.